previously on CSI Atlanta. When she is shot in the living room, but near the front door, she is shot in the back. Now you would think at that point they would flee the scene, but they don't. They drag her to the master bedroom, place her in the closet, steal her phone, notice she's still alive and shoot her again. That's all they've ever said is it was a robbery and they were all tied up and they didn't see it happen. This was not a drug deal gone bad. Honey Malone did not go to that apartment to buy, sell, or run drugs, period. This was a homicide. I'm CBS 46 anchor Karen Greer, and you're listening to CSI Atlanta, the podcast. Each episode, I'll take you on a deep dive into some of Georgia's most fascinating cold cases. I'm working alongside CBS 46 crime scene investigator and extraordinaire Cheryl Mack McCollum and her team at the Cold Case Investigative Research Institute. My mind can't rest because I have questions. The 23rd of every month, marks another month without answers for Honey Malone's mother, Flora. She spent the last seven years going over and over the case in her head. We were talking about how she had no beefs with anybody, and we even joked about this girl that she had problems with since middle school. And I said, oh, you and her are still friends? She said, actually, yeah, we are. I said, oh, okay. I mean, I was was shocked. Uh, they had a beef for years, and she's like, oh, I don't have a problem with anybody. Oh, that's so mature of you, you know. I, my baby's growing up. Flora and her daughter, Cassandra, don't know who killed Honey or why. What they do know is that they don't believe what they were told about her murder. There were three people inside the apartment on the night of October 23, 2012. They told police a group of three to six men kicked in the door, wearing masks and brandishing guns. They tied up two of the occupants, a man and a woman, and locked them in the bathroom. The third person was able to get away safely as the assailants ransacked the apartment. And then, in the midst of the robbery, Honey walked in. Honey's killer shot her once in the back, then dragged her to a bedroom closet and shot her in the chest this time fatally. The masked men left, taking nothing except Honey's life and her cell phone. The couple in the bathroom untied each other and called police. It's a simple enough explanation. A botched robbery, police think the suspects were possibly motivated by the easy access to drugs in the apartment. But Flora and Cassandra have poked a lot of holes in the story, revealing just how flimsy it is. One person says three people came rushing in, and one person says six people came rushing in. I don't know. If if the numbers were closer together, I, I guess I could see that. You know, if one said three, one said four, but one said three, one said six. 
that's a big difference. That apartment is not that big. I mean, you would know your entire living room would be full of people. If there were six plus the two victims, that's eight people. Right, and three people tied up in that bathroom doesn't seem real to me either because that bathroom was so very tiny. Right. And the girl said her phone got stolen, but the police gave it back to her. So how is that? So the, the robbers stole your phone and left it there for you? But they took Honey's. I, I don't know who has Honey's phone. I don't know if the police ever recovered it or not. Depends on which police officer you talk to. If they do have it, I would like it back. Now, you did get another phone that they told you was Honey's at the police department. Yes, and it turned out to be one of the other gentlemen that is in the department. These little inconsistencies create a lot of doubt in the story the three victims gave police. And one piece of hard evidence leads Mac to believe an entirely different theory. The first gunshot was to her back, Karen. That indicates to me she was trying to leave. So she was clearly no threat. She didn't have a weapon. She wasn't doing anything. So it would, it would almost seem to me they shot her because she recognized them and they knew it. Not only do Flora and Cassandra suspect Honey knew her killer, they believe she was invited to the apartment to be killed and that the robbery was staged. Do you think in looking back at this that, and we discussed it a little bit, she was lured to that apartment, told to come here for a certain reason? I kind of think that. I think so, with her being tired. Yeah. I absolutely think it. She goes home. She said she said she was tired. She was going to hang out at home. Then suddenly, nope, I'm going. I'll see you. Because she knew something. Mm-hmm. Right. Either way, the shooter had to know her. Do you still really feel like one of her friends is responsible? Mm, maybe somebody she considered a friend. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's true. Max says the red flag started from the moment Flora first learned about the shooting. As soon as this happened, and you hear the ambulances, and, and you just have that sinking feeling almost immediately, Flora, who knocked on your door? Honey's ex-boyfriend who is the one who introduced her to this group of people. Right. And he did not live in Stone Mountain at that time, correct? No, nope, I don't I don't think so. I think he lived at least at least a half hour away. So I think it's important for people to understand the the dynamics of what's possibly going on here. So you have somebody that introduced her to the people that were in the apartment. He was there, and... He said he wasn't there. Yeah, he said he wasn't there. He said that... Well, he was in the area. I mean, he had to be somewhere close by, right? Exactly. That or they called him as soon as it happened, and then, you know, all that time still took, you know, them dragging and doing all that. I think it was a staged robbery, obviously, is my sister opinion, but... Yeah, he. we are like, so you were there? What happened? He's like, no, I was on the other side of town. So how are you the one that's coming to tell my mom? 
that she's dead. And he ended up, I mean, my mom keeps saying that she didn't have this one particular necklace on that day, but he gave me my sister's necklace, my mom's necklace that my sister normally wears at the funeral. I didn't know him. I, and we were walking out and a guy reaches out and hands me a necklace. Of course, I'm like, how, what, I didn't even know what to think. So where do you think he got the necklace from, if not from her? Well, I, my mom said that. Well, I posted uh, that I was looking for her necklace and her purse online. So maybe that's why he gave us her necklace back. Why did he have it is my question. That's a good question. I don't, I, I looked at her last picture that she had. She took it could have been in her shirt, day. mom. It could have no, been in her shirt. No, it wasn't. She didn't have it on. I don't know. I know that he gave it to me. These interactions have led to a level of distrust between Honey's family and some of her friends. We get a lot of different stories, and we're not sure what to believe because that area is not that big of an area. So I know that people around there know the true story. And we hear, oh, they're too scared to speak up. They have families of their own that they don't want anything to happen to them, which I don't want anything to happen to their family either. I just want to know what happened to my baby. And of course, we've, we've, been, killed, we've been getting names from other people or nicknames from other people. We tell the police and they have yet to follow up on the different leads that we've given. So we don't know what else to do. But think about it, Karen. She doesn't know, am I talking to the killer? Am I talking to a friend? Am I talking to somebody that's got information and won't tell me? What are your thoughts as you wait, you want to get rest, you want to get sleep? What's it going to take for you to rest and sleep? Well, honestly, I just need the truth at this point. Um, not so much on the justice thing. I mean, if, if honestly I knew this person did it, why they did it, not that I don't want justice, trust me, because I, I don't think they should walk the earth, but I, I think I could just be a grieving mother then instead of one of these crazy people who just have so many questions in their mind. My mind can't rest because I have questions. I When, when people contact me, I'm like, well, did they do it? Do they know who did it and just don't want to tell me? When I, when I go places and somebody says, oh, you're honey's mom. And it's like, yeah, I am. In 2019, Honey would be 25 years old. As a teenager, she aspired to be a makeup artist, to do the stars. Now her family can't help but think of all the things she would be doing as a young woman and all the milestones they've missed. Everything so much. Her having her first apartment. Yeah. Us going on cruises, traveling, going to California, going back to New York since she's been in New York and I haven't. I mean, her being able to see my son, have a new baby on the way. 
Yep, having her own. Getting married, possibly. So much. That's all the posts that she just never got to do. It's just, it's just so heartbreaking. It's, it's, it's just too much. Driving. Right, she was going to get her license. She finally went and got her permit. Yep. Isn't that cute? She didn't want to drive. She was just happy. Mama could take me. <laughs> Mama will pick me up. Yep. Well, we were in a couple accidents, so she was kind of afraid to drive. Seven years of wondering whether someone close to Honey is responsible for taking her life. At times, it's left Flora and Cassandra to feel hopeless. Do you think your baby's death will not be in vain because of all of this? If the truth never comes out, I just picture that it's going to happen again. And it probably has. The same person who killed her probably has killed again or has done something horrific to somebody because they don't have a good heart. They're a coward that could kill a little itty-bitty girl. Yeah, and, and the people that was there, I mean, if they would just be willing to think back for a couple minutes and say, oh, maybe I remember something new. or And here's the other reality. You want to talk about Honey would have been a mama. A lot of the people that were at that apartment and have this information, they're parents now. I don't know how they're not compelled to make this right. But, Flora, I want to say one thing as well. When Karen asked about whether or not her death would be in vain, it will not be. When you went and met with the police department yourself, you taught them about a level of testing they were unaware of. Well, now, because of this case, it's going to go statewide. So Honey is literally training law enforcement on new DNA extraction techniques. So that's pretty remarkable right there. Max sees one clear way to advance Honey's case and use it to teach those very techniques in the process. Well, looking at the crime scene, I know for a fact her body was moved. So again, she's shot in the den in the back. They physically pick her up and move her to the back bedroom. Because they did that, that means there's possibly touch DNA on that clothing. And the GBI can test that clothing to see whether or not the suspect's DNA was left behind. If that's the case, again, we can send it to get phenotyping to get an actual composite if this person's DNA is not in the system. We can still get what they look like and put that out in the neighborhood. And I would love for you to go and teach all the DeKalb County detectives what is possible now. I know they're not forensic people, but if they knew up front that this was a test possible, just like with, with the bullets, whatever that test is called, if they know when up front that it's possible to solve cases that are newer and haven't even happened yet. They won't be cold cases. Well, Flora, that's one thing that CSI Atlanta with CBS 46 is doing. Karen Greer has already made sure that we're going to be doing training here. So any law enforcement that wants to come to see the MVAT and learn about the Bardot method, they're going to be able to do that right here. And we're going to invite people from across the state. And again, that is in part because of Honey Malone.
next time on CSI Atlanta. I believe they lured that child to the liquor store so that he could make entry into that apartment. When they got back, he was already there. They killed her. They put her body in the crate. They drove her to DeKalb County, left her in that park, and that was it. And then the devil that they were went to a Halloween party. Until then, subscribe to CSI Atlanta, the podcast, and check out our full stories on CBS46.com. CSI Atlanta is brought to you by CBS 46, WGCL in Atlanta, Georgia. The podcast is hosted by me, Karen Greer, and CBS 46 crime scene investigator Cheryl Mack McCullum. This episode was produced by Rhiannon Youngbauer and Natasha Lee, with sound design by Ray Merriman.